And welcome to a, another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason, a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Sonny, and sit at the crossroads of pop culture, faith, take a look at those things, those stories, the, the newsmakers that go on through a biblical perspective. And Dan, a couple podcast episodes ago, we talked about a topic, Jen Johnson. She is a Bethel music worship leader, also of the church, Bethel Church. And she was talking about how the, in her opinion or in her mind, she views the Holy Spirit as a, uh, a genie, like Aladdin's genie. And then she also mentioned and went on to talk about how she imagines the angels sending text messages up in heaven and even went so far to say that, you know, they're farting while in heaven and things like that. And it was, you know, we talked about it as a blasphemous or just irrelevant. Whatever it is, it's making a mockery of something that's definitely holy. And now I read something about Hillsong Church, another church, another entity that is, I guess, based out of Australia, but they're all over the place now, all over the world. And it had to do with the... This scheme, they're calling it, an honorarium, an honorarium, which is basically where you get paid to come and speak. And it really becomes this network of what they're talking about, millions of dollars in possibly tax-free income where celebrity preachers worldwide will come to Hillsong and they will preach and get a lot of money for maybe a couple 30-minute uh, sermons, I guess you could call them, or you know, speaking engagements. And in the, mm-hmm. and uh, Brian Houston and his wife Bobby Houston are the ones that are primarily named. But then Christine Kane is someone that is also mentioned. Um, and so I've always kind of been leery of the business of church. You know, I know uh, prominent pastors will write books and they will sell books and make money. And you know, worship leaders, mm-hmm. music people will make CDs or albums or what do they call them now, and and uh, have or want people to buy them and. Bible studies will be made by people such as Beth Moore, and people will buy them to do their Bible studies on. And, you know, there's many others, and there's good and there's bad, and there's all different types in between. But the business of church has always been a little bit bothersome because if we're supposed to model ourselves after what Jesus did, Jesus obviously wasn't rich. He wasn't uh, making all kinds of money. In fact, he was, you know, a carpenter's son, you know, by the poorest of the poor. Um now, we, I understand that you have to, you know, live in this world, so don't get me wrong. I'm not crazy. Not everybody should be a, a monk someplace in a monastery, you know. But when you see something like this, okay, first you have a theological thing like Jen Johnson talking about, you know, what she talked about. And then you see this honorarium scheme that might have netted as much as $1 million given off to celebrity pastors to preach worldwide. And I guess it took a whistleblower to kind of blow the whistle on this whole thing, this kind of financial fraud that is being um, committed. I mean, what do you think of it when, you, when you're starting to see some of these big-time churches involved in some of these shady things? Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it, Son, when you see how much worldliness uh, gets into those situations that maybe they started out with some pretty noble uh, and and holy purposes, but as they were blessed with growth, um, they, they they started to fall into the trap that many ministries over the years have fallen into when you're dealing with big dollars or um, you know big numbers of people 
or lots of fame, you, you know, the, the, the term celebrity pastor that has been used now in, uh, you know, the last, you know, couple decades at least, um, is, is identifying a problem, um, that, that is going on where, you know, it kind of reminds me, son, of like what the Israelites did, even though this wasn't God's plan for them. Um, you know, uh, God had raised up judges to uh, help deliver them when they when they messed up and uh, then um, were given over into tyranny for a while, um, you know, maybe seven or eight years or longer sometimes. But but they would be oppressed by their enemies because they rebelled, they sinned against God, and, and so as, as if that wasn't enough to wake them up, um, they, they got it in their mind that they wanted to be structured like the world, and they decided they wanted to have a king. Um, even though uh, the Lord w- was and is, you know, the king of his people, that, that wasn't good enough for them. They, they, they wanted the world's um, approach. Uh, they wanted the world's structure. And, and it, it, it really failed them, um, you know, many, many times uh, because that was not God's plan for them. But he did allow it, you know. Just like today, the Lord allows some of these, um, as you say, like the, these business-type churches is that, uh, you know, they start to go off the rails because of the money, because of fame, because of celebrity status, because of a very poor theology in some cases. And it doesn't look anything like what we read on the pages of the New Testament. Uh, it, it doesn't look anything like, you know, Jesus uh, teaching his, you know, either like teaching his smaller group of disciples, maybe, you know, in, in an area off away from people or even teaching, you know, crowds. But it always... Um, just tremendous holiness, reverence, uh, the power of the Lord. And so some of those examples you gave, Son, um, it shows what man is capable of bringing into the equation. The Israelites did it. Uh, we, we, we see it happening today. You know, they often talk about money, sex, and power. Um, we see how many people, uh, you know, fall into those traps in the secular world, but but also in, uh, in certain churches and certain ministries. Uh, you know, Christians are just as human as as uh, non-christians uh but um if if a christian isn't careful uh he he or she uh can be seduced by the fame uh, seduced by the money seduced by the power seduced by the celebrity status and you know then it just becomes about getting bigger and bigger crowds um and and it's again i i would point to the israelites because I'm kind of amazed with, with, with a, a few examples out there today of some of these, you know, mega ministries that have a, you know, a celebrity pastor that, you know, um, in those situations where it's just not, um, not very good theology at all, but, but people are lapping it up. Um, and, and you know, like you gave that example, I mean, you know, they're being entertained. Um, so it requires depth, doesn't it? On, on, on our part as Christians to hunger and thirst for something much deeper, much better, much nobler than that. And, and this, this God in America, this God of, of bigness, 
Um, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I get it in the secular realm. I mean, Jerry Jones and, and, and the Dallas Cowboys and his stadium and everybody tries to outdo the other or, you know, billionaires with their yachts. You know, everybody's got to have a bigger yacht uh, or people in a, in a suburban neighborhood. Everybody's got to have a nicer home or a nicer car. I mean, that's all human nature. Um, none of that is, is connected in any fashion to uh, the New Testament or Christianity. And, and so when those sorts of things come into churches, I mean, we, we, we see how disgusting the, uh, you know, the, the so-called prosperity gospel is in churches. They, they preach it and people, they, they love it, uh, the, the, those who attend. You know, they, they, they love being told that God wants them to just have obscene wealth like their leader uh, with, with his mansions and, 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 and everything he's got, his private jets and everything. Um, but it, it's so far removed from anything that we see in the New Testament. In fact, um, much of what they're doing is condemned in the New Testament. I mean, Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. Either you'll you know, hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. Um, and, and this is what's happening, unfortunately. And, and so none of us are... Um, you know, immune to, to those things. We have to always be on guard. But I, but I think as the, some of these ministries son, get bigger and start reaching more people and, and start to have quote unquote success, um, boy, uh, be careful, be careful, you know, be careful because, um, the enemy is lurking and, uh, you know, um, it, you know, those, those sorts of, uh, things that you just described are, uh, you know, sadly they're, they're um, more and more common today, and and then you just look at maybe you know the the, the small churches out there, or the medium sized churches out there that are are just faithfully preaching God's word, and there are some large churches, of course, that are doing that too, obviously, you know. But uh, but then you've got those examples that seem to make a lot of the news um, where they've really gone off the rails, and it just becomes a big show, and you've got your celebrity pastor, and sometimes really crazy theology, uh, but you got people. They're like those ones you referenced on who are kind of laughing at some of those um, just really blasphemous comments, uh, uh, you know, about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so, you know, that's, I guess, America today, isn't it? Um, and, I, and I'm sure that there are uh, Christians in, in certain parts of the world that look at that and they just think, you know, what in the world is going on uh, with some of those churches in America? You know, the American tax code says that you have to report honorariums. And I don't want to get too much into the legalities of it, but this is what's important. Because if you're talking about obeying God, obeying the gospel, which I guess you'd have to now call in the question with some of these people if they're using these honorarium situations to avoid taxes and whatever, you know, be deceitful. But you've got people like Joyce Meyer now receiving honorariums of 160000 133000 100000 32000 and then... T.D. Jakes, 71000 120000 77000 and then airfares and trips, you know. And then you've got, the, ex- yeah, you've got the expense of the, of the pastors of Hillsong, you know, traveling uh, jets and so forth, you know. And it's like after a while, and, the, and these are people, I mean, T.D. Jakes and Joyce Meyer, these are big-name people in that religious yeah. business world. And it's like, you know, I knew there was always money behind it, and I know people would always, you know, surround themselves with other people. I mean, I grew up watching TBN, and everybody wanted to get on TBN, even if you didn't really fully agree with John, I mean, with uh, Paul and Jan, and what they were really doing, what their personal beliefs were. People wanted to get on TBN because they wanted to get their message spread, 
and TBN was a way to spread it, which is Trinity Broadcasting Network, which is a Christian uh, television program or network. And so, you know, people would kind of try to justify them being on TBN as, you know, we don't really, you know, um, we don't really subscribe to what they believe personally, but we think that we can utilize this network to bring the, you know, the gospel message to people around the world. And then you have other instances, and like this for another instance, is people are like kind of joining together not to spread the gospel, but to make uber amounts of money. Um, People want to be a part of the Hillsong family. So I guess what you have to do is apparently if you wanted to have the Hillsong name, supposedly as the article goes, you would have to pay up to 3% of your annual church tie to Hillsong, which was up to $100,000, just to have that Hillsong name attached to you. So again, the more you start to delve into this, it looks like this whole thing is everything to do about money and the money changers in the temple as opposed to spreading the gospel message. And, you know, it, it's tragic, Son. And um, what, what, you know, I mentioned, you know, how some people in other countries, and I'm talking really now about, you know, in, in poor countries or at least in areas where people are living, um, you know, w- w- without this, uh, this wealth that we see here in America. Um, but you've also got places like, you know, in Africa today where some of these uh some of these prosperity preachers, they, they've taken their message there. You know, they, they, they brag about how they need these jets or they wouldn't be able to fly around the world. But sadly, just like a cult spreads its mes- message, uh, you know, wherever it goes, um, there was a, a pastor back in 2015 uh, who was talking about this. He's a pastor from Zambia, and, and he was he was explaining how, um, you know, the prosperity gospel uh, and that teaching has replaced true the, the true gospel message in Africa. A very startling claim, but but he gives examples, and you, you can just go online and and watch YouTube videos of of uh, you know some of these groups, for example, in Africa that are every bit as um, excited and and rowdy uh, when, when when they hear this message being preached about how God wants them to just have a, a wealthy life on earth. It's all about worldly wealth. Now, I mean, we know that there can be a balance in teaching and, and and there is a place to to preach and teach what the Bible says about God providing for our our needs I mean so we're not we're not suggesting that that that's not something that we look to God to, to help us with he does provide uh, he provides our daily bread I mean God makes sure that, that we're taken care of but uh, you know th- this message this prosperity teaching uh, it is spiritual poison and um, it has a lot of tentacles uh, it, it has a lot of false doctrine oozing out of it, not not the least of which is this name it and claim it, uh, or kind of this Christian science idea of, of speaking reality into existence. Your words have creative power, and of course they, they tie that in with um, really appealing to man's lustful desires to chase after riches. Uh, rather than teaching people um, you know, the, the true biblical message uh, that, that, that Paul preached, you know, the very one who wrote 
I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Um, and, and rather than preaching that message and the message of spiritual riches, they, they emphasize the material side. And, and I just, I'll never, I'll never be able to, to understand son, how thousands and thousands of people can sit and listen to a guy who, who, who his net worth, I mean, my goodness, I mean, Kenneth Copeland, I mean, they say his net worth is, I mean, I've seen some estimates at $750 million. I mean, you know, it seems to be in the hundreds of millions, whatever it is. And yet people lap it up because, you know, it's almost like a spiritual Amway convention or something uh, where, you know, um, they're getting people all excited. Of, you know, you, you can you can be like um, our prophet here, our leader, uh, you know, who has his private jets and his mansions. And, and it is so far removed. Uh, I mean, these guys will even say things like, um, you know, Jesus was very wealthy. Uh, you know, I think it was Copeland maybe who said, uh, you know, Jesus lived in a big house. It's like, wait a minute, you know, in heaven. Yes. Uh, you know, it's going to be phenomenal, but, but, um, he, he seems to honestly believe that on earth, um, even though the Bible says that the son of man had, had no place to lay his head. Uh, oh, he lived in a big house. So they're, they're, they're self-conceived. They're those that the Bible describes as, um, you know, false prophets who love money and, and they have no shame in, um, tempting other people to, to believe their, uh, false prosperity message. So it, it, it's very sad. It appeals to man's flesh, not to, um, what mature Christian discipleship is about. And there are millions of Christians who've not been duped by that, who are investing their lives and their time and their resources in genuine, uh, gospel, uh, proclamation and in making of disciples and sending out missionaries and supporting them and, and, and starting churches and doing other great mission work all around the world. Uh, I mean, that's going on, but it's this other stuff that often, you know, makes the headlines because of how outrageous it is. I mean, even the world, you know, which, which wants really nothing to do with the gospel. Um, they, they look at that and just think, what, what a joke. But, but you know, many of us in, in the church, um, we're, we're, we're saying the same thing, you know, what, what a joke It's just so contrary to Christianity. So contrary to what God wants, uh, and it's coming from man's flesh, not from the Holy Spirit. You know, you often hear, you know, people say the love of money is the root of all evil. And actually, when you look at the scripture portion of it, it's the love of money. But, right. But the concept is there. You know, it's, it's okay to have money, but it's, it's the love for it. It's the lust for it. It's the desire for it. And it's hard enough in, in times, because I've grown up in all different kinds of churches, you know, all different denominations, all different sizes. I've, I've been to them all. I've seen them all. I've worked Christian radio. Um, you know, I've pretty much had my, and through Christian radio where we met, I've also met a bunch of other people, their ministries, their churches, mega churches, small churches. I mean, right. I've seen it all. I've seen pastors that have been um, on death row in San Quentin, California, and Next thing you know, somehow, miraculously, they're released, and now they're a pastor because that was God's plan for mm. them not to be executed, but they become a pastor because there was, that yeah. was the only way, I guess, that you would get out of prison, right, is if you're on death row and God sets you free. So, I mean, I've seen it all, and I've experienced most of it. But, my, yeah. but, but it comes down, like you said, it comes down to the fact that, you know, if you're sitting there and you've got this mega church, and maybe it's just a great church, but you've got 5,000 people there and people are tithing. Okay. My thought was always, what's that money going to the lights, 
the secretaries, um, you know, utilities, stuff like that. Okay, that's fine. You know, you're providing jobs and there's all this. So it's, so it's not a one-size-fits-all answer is my point. But the right. point starts to come to when do people just out there, even people not in the church, when they look at these type of things, I mean, we already see it from the uh, from the sin side where these pastors fall from grace and then people say, oh, see, that's why I don't need to believe because look at them. But then on the money side of it, I mean, how different is it this type of thing, when this comes out, these kind of so-called scandals of money, compared to some of the other scandals, and how does it hurt the church or the biblical message or the gospel message, and people look at this and be like, well, you know what, I don't really need to do that because look at what they do. They're no more, you know, than the politicians on Capitol Hill. They're making, you know, millions of dollars doing their thing on Capitol Hill. These preachers are making, you know, their millions of dollars doing their thing. So, you know, why should I care? Yeah, I think that definitely happens a lot, Son, where the devil is then able to use this outrageous behavior and really turn people who are already, in many cases, not interested in uh, in Christ or his message, um, turn them even further away uh, be, because of, of this type of behavior. You know, I, I'm reminded of something I heard Hugh Ross say uh, uh, when he, he was invited to speak at a, uh, it was a conference. Uh, I believe there were 750 scientists there. Uh, I, I think it was in Australia, maybe, maybe but it was maybe several decades ago. Well, anyway, um, he was presenting to them. He may have been the only Christian there uh, who was invited to pre- present a paper. And after his presentation, he was you know standing around talking with a bunch of uh, the other scientists. And he asked them a question. Um, those maybe there were like forty of them there, uh, just you know talking to him in, in a smaller group there. And he said, you know, I just have to ask you know. Why is it that so many atheists just have, it seems like such a hatred for, you know, Christianity, for Christ? And one or more of them spoke up and said, you know, Hugh, it's it's not that we hate um, Christianity. It's not that we hate Christ. It's just that we hate, you know, the things done by some of his followers. Um, and, and, and so this group of, of, of scientists, some of whom are atheists, maybe many, um, they at least they were using that excuse um, because of things they'd experienced uh, from from uh, from people that so turned them off. Um, that was you know, it's one thing if the gospel offends someone, you know, but it's another thing if you do. And, and I think they were probably describing situations where Christians, by their manner, by their approach, um, it's so turned them off that they hated that's what they hated um and and i thought that was a very revealing point and it's a good reminder to us as christians you know someone has said you know jesus is really the only um bible that that, you know people are going to read or i should say we're i'm sorry i said that wrong we're the only bible or we're the only jesus that people are really gonna gonna see i mean until they get to know the lord um we're the we're the closest link to the to uh to them uh, and and knowing knowing christ so if if we're not being good witnesses, if if we are doing some of these crazy things that we've talked about already here on the podcast today, then it's going to be such a turnoff that that people who already are just 
not thinking Christianity has anything for them, um, they're going to become even more convinced. So um, it, it is it is a very big issue, uh, and, and the devil jumps all over that and uses that to just harden hearts even more to the gospel, which makes it even tougher for a person to enter the kingdom of God, uh, because now, in their mind at least, um, they think they know what, what Christians are about or what Christianity is about, and, and while we would say, well, those professing Christians, whoever you're talking about, they may or may not have actually even been Christians, those professing Christians, if they did what you're describing, that was not, you know, that was not them uh, relying on the Lord. That was just, that was all on them. That was a problem in their own um, witness. But it, it seems very hard for, you know, non-Christians to be able to separate those two things, to be able to separate the, the behavior from then the actual message. And I guess, you know, we, we'd probably be the same way. Um, I mean, let's just take even as Christians. I mean, if, if we just knew, um, you know, 10 people who were associated with a particular belief system, maybe not even necessarily, you know, religious, let's say, maybe some other belief system. And, and if they all had behavior that was such a turnoff, I'm sure any of us would be inclined to think, oh, their message is just bunk. Because, I mean, uh, I see how, how they live. And, and so obviously their message must be garbage, you know. Uh, so I guess that's human nature. But um, it is a reminder to us that uh, people are watching. Um, people are going to be influenced for good or bad, and, and so we need to be careful that as we seek to live out this Christian life, um, we're, we're seeking to walk as Jesus did, not as the world does, um, not, not with the world system of quote-unquote success and riches and fame and celebrity status and everything else. Uh, that's, uh, that is not going to get it done, and it never has you know, in the history of Christianity, so it, it certainly won't start today. You know, right now we are kind of going through the process of what would be, you know, the church, uh, I won't call them the holy days, but it's, you know, we got Lent going on and then it's going to be Palm Sunday. It's going to be um, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. So, you know, we've got a pretty significant time in the church going on right now. Um, when we look at the church today, there seems to be a difference between churches and things that are going on in America versus things that are going on in other places. You know, we recently saw this uh, kind of revival happening at Asbury, and a lot of people there started to show up and started to attend, and it seemed to be something that we talked about before, a very genuine thing, uh, something that was very real, didn't seem like there was any other any type of uh, fake or phoniness going on with it. Um, and and, and, and the, 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 real, the, the oddity about that was that, that was not the norm. I mean, people were kind of like, wow, look what's going on. And that is not the norm. It's almost like that should be the norm. But then you also yeah. see that in other places around the world. You see, you see other, uh, Christians in other countries, you know, gathering together in, in uh, environments like that way more frequent than it happens here. Is that something, is that just the American culture that we look at that type of thing because it doesn't have the bells and whistles. I mean, it's a church condition to have bells and whistles and concerts and lights and smokes and, you know, the video and stuff like that. I mean, because Asbury, everybody up and down the, uh, you know, religious world would say that that was a genuine and real thing that went on for days and days. And yet it was not the norm. It was outside the norm. 
Is that the type of thing that we need to try to get back to is, is that type of worship, that type of, I don't want to say religion, but you know, that type of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just being humbled before the Lord, um, you know, being still yeah. and quiet in the spirit, you know, um, being led by the spirit, uh, as opposed to then, you know, sitting there and having these planning meetings where we have to plan these rock star concert or these rock concert, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Sunday morning mm-hmm. shows for people to show up. Otherwise they don't show up. I think you're hitting on something very important here, Son, uh, I, and I agree with you. Um, yes, I do believe that, that that's what is needed now more than ever in America. I, I think a lot of churches have fallen into the trap of thinking that just because we're drawing a crowd, um, just because our attendance is increasing, then that uh, uh, automatically means that that's God's blessing on our ministry. Um, and, and it may be, but it may just be the fact that you're entertaining people with a worldly enough message that you're drawing people who, who really don't want to be part of maybe something that is a much holier, more spirit filled Asbury type experience. And so I'm glad you, you mentioned that son. I was, uh, I was pleased to read at least in one, if not more than one place where some of the people there, I guess at that university had made a concerted effort to just not have any celebrity, uh, quote unquote, celebrity Christian or whoever, you know, come in and speak or whatever, because they wanted it to be all about the Lord. And that sort of noble Christ-centered focus is what we need, son, in in America, because um, the tendency, I think, is to prop up a speaker or prop up a worship leader or a contemporary Christian singer. And, and, And then, I mean, we're you know, it's all about them. I mean, we, you start to lose the message uh, because of the uh, flamboyant messenger. And how different was John the Baptist, you know, uh, who, who came there announcing um, the, the Messiah uh, and, and John's words, you know, he must become greater, I must become less. Um, there, there has to be, I think, uh, well, what you're describing, I think, Son, is just more of a, just kind of a downer earth, um, genuine movement of God where I, you know, I, I know in many churches like, like, you know, like ours, I know, um, at Redeemer, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed just to have a humble gathering every Sunday, but there's power. There's power that comes to us through the word. There's power that comes to us through the fellowship. There's power that comes to us through prayer. And when we celebrate the Lord's supper together and, and there's no glitz or glamor, um, but, but it, there's power. And, and there's spiritual food. And there are a lot of churches like that that are on nobody's radar, really, other than the small group of Christians who go there. Or maybe medium-sized group, whatever the case might be, and in some cases, a larger group. But I, it just seems like in America, the larger it gets, the showier in many places it gets. Now, that's not all places. Um, you know, I remember a, a speaker, son, I used to love to listen to. I know my folks did, too. Um, now, he's in heaven now. But Dr. D. James Kennedy at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church uh, down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 
and Dr. Kennedy was on TV. He was the one who was the author of Evangelism Explosion years ago, and it was uh, just that a uh, program where people would would go out door to door sharing the gospel, and they would ask the question, you know, if if you were to die today, and God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? Um, and or they would maybe they would ask you, you know, if you were to die today, are you sure you would go to heaven? So so that that sort of question. But my point is. It was a very um, spirit-filled, holy worship experience centered around God's Word, centered around the message that Dr. Kennedy would bring. And um, while while millions of people appreciated him for his insights and his knowledge, um, it, it was never, you know, he, he never felt like a celebrity pastor because he wasn't he wasn't doing things that celebrity celebrities seemed to do to, to promote themselves. He was promoting Christ. And, and, you know, you're going to get you're going to get preachers, whether it be Billy Graham, whether it be D.L. Moody, uh, whether it be, um, you know, Tim Keller in New York City, who now, you know, he has cancer. Um, I mean, you're going to get pastors who become very well known, but but they're not out there promoting themselves. Um, they, they just have to be extremely gifted at promoting the gospel and, and uh, promoting the Lord. Uh, you know, I think Max Lucado, you know, would, would be another, you know, pastor in that um, same vein. Um, and there, there are others, of course, plenty of others. But, but then you've got those who um, are deemed celebrity pastors. And uh, I don't know. I, I think you really have to be careful um, as you get a larger and larger following that um that, that you don't you don't allow yourself to start enjoying that um all that attention and then and then almost needing that um it all it has to be about Christ it has to be about the message uh, we're all sinful we're all susceptible to pride um but uh, you know again uh, greed fame money sex you know, these things appeal to the flesh, and uh, Satan is going to use those to try to bring down ministries and, and Christians and, and turn their ministries into something other than what they should be. So I back to your point here a moment ago, though, son, I think you're right on target. Uh, I do think we need to get back to just more humble gatherings of people. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, smaller, per se, but but humble. Um, and, and I do think that from what I, from what I saw of the Asbury uh, experience, um, I, I think that's a good example of, of, of a group of people who are trying to, as much as possible, keep it focused on the Lord and trying to stay out of the way and trying not to, you know, make it about man or, or you know, give man any, any credit. In fact, you might know more about this. I, I just heard just a little piece of it. If I'm not mistaken, I think maybe Tucker Carlson showed up and wanted to maybe do a piece on it or something. And I think maybe they asked him just to go away or something. Not, not that they wanted to offend him, but they, they didn't want it to become like this spectacle or this thing that, you know, that so often in America, you know, it, it now it's going viral because, I mean, it did go viral. I mean, just because of the nature of it and because people, I mean, where do you, where do you find people coming day after day after day to pray and worship? And that's why they're going, you know, they're, they're not going to hear this, you know, this, this world famous celebrity 
celebrity pastor or this world world famous uh, celebrity uh, Christian singing group. Uh, they're going to worship the world famous God of the universe, and 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 you know there is no other draw there really than than that. Uh, and so that would seem to be a mark of revival um, and and a beautiful thing. Um, and so there's an example where you know, it's not about the the size of the group. It's not like well, if it's a large group, then you know they're compromising something or or. Um you know, they're, they're, it's all about them. I mean, Asbury shows that you can have large numbers and still, um, by God's grace, keep the focus on the Lord. Uh, so it's not about the numbers per se, but it's almost like this sign, just as I think most Christians would not be able to handle extreme wealth because they would end up hoarding it. They would end up spending a lot of it on themselves rather than investing it in the kingdom. Um, it just simply would, and, and for many, it would be a great detriment to their faith. To, to have too much wealth. Very, they're not mature enough to handle it. Uh, and that goes for all, you know, so all of us. I mean, there'd be few of us probably who would. I think likewise, um, there probably aren't many Christians, son, who can handle, or Christian leaders, I should say, or musicians or pastors or other speakers who can handle the kind of success that let's say like a Tim Keller or a Billy Graham, Max Lucado, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy, um, you know, a favorite pastor of mine years ago, uh, Ben Hayden, a pres- Presbyterian minister at um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, he was former CIA guy, um, former journalist. Um, man, he gave he you could go online, changed lives. Uh, ben Hayden, H A D E N, and a person could listen. Man, he's got good messages, but 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 very humble, very Christ centered, very um, spiritual. Very reverent, and again, that's the sense you got with Asbury and and Son. Let's go back to where you you know you started today with the podcast. So that example where they're standing around, they're joking about this and that about the Holy Spirit and about you know this and that in heaven. A very very different spirit in that gathering than what you saw at Asbury. What you see in some of these other examples I'm giving, um, the Holy Spirit breathes holiness upon a group. Um, but just like with Mary, the mother of our Lord who was very humble, just like John the Baptist, who was very humble, just like Moses, who was very humble. In fact, the Bible says more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. There has to be humility in order to receive that outpouring of the Spirit. Um, because without humility, um, uh, the Holy Spirit is not going to uh, stick around very long in, in any great, to any great degree, because that is so inconsistent with with what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's there to lift up Christ. Look at the day of Pentecost. I mean, he showed up in power, um, and these, these, you know, apostles went out and gave their lives for the gospel. Uh, they, they, they weren't out preaching the uh, disgusting message you hear from the prosperity preachers today. Um, they weren't out there, you know, gathering up mansions. And, I mean, they didn't have jets, of course, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't about luxury for them. You know, they were willing to die so that others could know Christ. Um, that's what, what Paul and, and Peter and the others were about. Um, so we, we can learn a lot. If we just stick with the way they did in the Bible, we can see examples today with faithful ministries that are doing it in a very humble yet powerful way. And I have to say, you know, Billy Graham, um, 
You know, I, I I think many Christians were so blessed that by God's grace, there was such a spirit of humility upon that man. Um, I mean, God used him like few have ever been used in the history of Christianity. And and really, I think as some have said, I mean, Billy uh, probably you know has preached to more people than anyone in history. Uh, you know, when, when you consider um, all the, I mean, all the crusades that he did, and then of course everything that's televised and everything else. But um, but my goodness, I mean, what a humble servant. I mean, the best we can tell. Um, I, I mean, the, the fruit of his life was, was it was beautiful. Um, it was it was all about Christ. And you see the same thing with his son, Franklin Graham, um, you know, who, who started Samaritan's Purse, and they're helping people all around the world. I saw where Franklin Graham was just in Vietnam recently, and they had a big crusade, and thousands of people, um, you know, professed faith in Christ. So this is going on behind the scenes, um, but some of these crazy things, things out in front with certain celebrity preachers or prosperity preachers or mega churches or, 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 or like these ones that, um, you know, that you mentioned. And, um, I just saw it today now, son, where, you know, everything that went down with, I guess, Jerry Falwell Jr. at Liberty University, I just saw a headline on the Christian Post today where I guess now he's suing Liberty University for eight and a half million dollars for retirement pay or something after everything that he was involved with. I mean, it takes a lot of audacity, doesn't it, um, to, to uh, you know, to, I mean, it's sad what happened with him and everything. And, and, and you know, we're all sinners. But then to turn around um, and, and to sue, uh, you know, uh, a school where you were making a lot of money in spite of what you were doing behind the scenes, um, and now you're going to sue, and just like what they're finding out with Hillsong um, and these articles that are coming out, so um, th- there was never any of that, Son, with, with Billy Graham's ministry, or Ben Hayden's ministry, or uh, Max Lucado's ministry, or Tim Keller's ministry, or, or a whole host of others, or thousands and thousands of, of small churches around the country where, where humble people are working behind the scenes, or on nobody's radar, uh, except on heaven's radar, and they're very well known in heaven, but you know, they're also well known in hell because hell recognizes what God is doing through them. And so sometimes it's these loud, uh, these loud ministries that are getting a lot of bad publicity. Uh, that that's what the enemy wants to highlight. That's what the enemy is going to use to turn people against Christ. But there's a current underneath it, son, as you and I know, where just millions of Christians are are moving forward in the Lord, trying to stay out of the way, trying to be obscure, trying not to become the focus, trying to keep Christ the focus, trying to maintain it. He must become greater. I must become less. And, and when you see that happen in a person's life, like D. James Kennedy and Billy Graham and and, and many others, uh, and they go to their grave having stuck to that, it's like, wow, um, we have modern-day uh, people doing what, what we see happening in the Scriptures uh, through imperfect people. I'm not saying these are perfect people or anything like that, but, but uh, you know, um, there are some beautiful examples of, 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 of people who are serving the Lord, men and women, um, all around the world, humbly, powerfully, successfully. I mean, how about uh, Johnny Erickson Tata? I mean, you know, the health and wealth preachers would say, well, you know, she must not have had enough faith after her uh, diving accident when she was a teenager and became a quadriplegic. You know, where was her faith? I mean, shame on them. Shame on them for, for, for telling somebody with cancer that they don't have enough faith if they're, if they're not healed. Rather than providing them the hope of the gospel and the new body that we're going to get in heaven, um, they have a very unbiblical, uncaring message. Meanwhile, Johnny Erickson Tata has gone around the world, and she has shared the gospel, and that through her, her 
her struggle, through her pain, through her not being um, strong physically, not being made well physically, Christ has been all the more powerful in her life. And what a testimony that is, that the prosperity preachers know nothing of that message, of that holy message, of that kind of power. They know nothing of it because they're too busy fixing their jets and maintaining their mansions and counting their, their millions in their bank account. They're way too busy to even begin to appreciate someone like a Johnny Erickson Tata or a Corey Ten Boom, the concentration camp survivor. And we could list so many examples of humble Christians who are not on the world's radar, but I'll say again, son, boy, they're on heaven's radar. And I can only imagine like when, when some of those people um, who've gone home to heaven, I mean, the reception that must be there waiting, uh, you know, the angels, the, the believers, I mean, the Lord, you know, himself. I mean, uh, it's almost like crossing the finish line, you know, at the Boston Marathon, only in this case, you know, you're, you're, you're crossing the greatest finish line um, in the history of the universe. And now you're crossing through the tape and you have finished your race and you are welcomed home and you succeeded at not making it about you, not making it about uh, acquiring wealth, not making it about show or celebrity or anything the world values like that, but making it about Christ. And I'll tell you something, that's the most beautiful thing in the universe. That's what's shining like stars in the universe. Uh, that's what's shining in heaven. And, and, the, and, the, and the news may not report on it much, although they did on Asbury, of course, because of how big it was um, and how just remarkable it was. But, but most of those things do not get reported on, uh, at least in any sort of secular reports. And that's okay, because that's not, what, that's not why we're doing what we do. Um, if we were doing it for um, secular, you know, uh, reviews and, and applause, uh, we, we'd be, we'd be in the wrong line of, 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 uh, um, you know, focus there and work and ministry, because it's always got to be about pleasing our Lord and keeping him the main thing. And, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot going on, isn't there in the world and, and, you know, examples on one side, just like examples on the other. Do you think that the parishioner, the church goer, the congregant, has some responsibility in this for elevating these people up on pedestals and for not like speaking out. Like for example, uh, Pence, I think it was Pence, but I know other people have done it. Remember he took criticism mm-hmm. for not going out with any other woman except his wife because he didn't want yeah. to have any type of misunderstanding yeah. or anything. And I think Billy yeah. Graham had similar type things, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, surrounding him to protect him and people made mm-hmm. mockery of, of it and yet everyone remains silent so it's almost like we we push these people up on a pedestal mm-hmm. we put them up there mm-hmm. um if anyone speaks out against them they're automatically squashed even if it could be truth that they're speaking you know they're right. doing something wrong like for example maybe um the type of message that they're um they're preaching whatever and and then mm-hmm. we don't speak up enough when it comes to some of the other things that are good family values, good biblical principles. You know, it's kind of like we just let things slide and whatever, and then the um, squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so those people that will make a mockery of a, of a Pence because of his standards or make a mockery of somebody else or shouts down somebody who wants to speak out against some wrongdoing in the church, um, it's almost like the congregants just kind of sit back and, and do nothing. So is there 
and and, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, prosperity preachers. Okay, so Kenneth Copeland. I yeah. mean, that dude's like yeah. three hundred years old. So obviously, he's been around yeah. for a very long time. Right. And right. that has enabled others to come along, you know, Creflo Dollar and some others and these airplanes, you know, and they actually have made statements to the news saying that I need an airplane of $64 yeah. million because of X, Y, Z. Well, people should be calling right. that out, but we never did. And so has that allowed for over the years people to then become more and more liberal with their money, you know, these ministries and stuff doing things mm-hmm. and the congregants, mm-hmm. you know, never spoke up. Enabling, I guess. So, is our, our congregants enablers in this? Well, I, I would say yes, son. In the, in the same sense that the Israelites were enablers of that whole idea of having a king, rather than seeking the Lord to continue to lead them. Uh, you know, again, there were judges that God would raise up, like Gideon, who I'm, I'm preaching on right now uh, in Judges six. And there were fourteen judges God raised up in the Book of Judges. God would have continued to provide what the people needed, and would have continued to have been their their, their main focus as king. But but they decided they wanted. To be structured like the world. So when you when you ask, um, do you know do the do these church members have responsibility in this? I would say yes, and I would also say that um, um, they they are receiving what they want to hear, um, what is tickling their ears. They've been seduced by these false prophets who come not with a genuine biblical gospel message, a New Testament um, exegetical teaching of Scripture of both the old and and, and New Testament preaching through the Bible, um, you know, not that, but but their ears are tickled um, with this message that um, you know you can have this this tremendous wealth, you can have a perfect life on earth, and and so yes, I would say um, they, uh, they they have accountability there, but they don't know any better. Um, they they're, they're not they're obviously not strong enough in the Lord or in the Word, and if they ever were, they've gone way back in their faith because the very very facts on that they laugh that up, that they hunger for that, that they laugh at that, that they applaud that, that they want that, that they thirst for that. It, it shows sadly where the, the, the spiritual state that they're in. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, none of them are saved or something like that, because only the Lord knows in each individual case. Uh, and people, there's, you know, when you got a group of a thousand people, let's say, listening to one of these prosperity preachers, I mean, you know, you might have had some people just um, wander in, you know, that Sunday, you, you know, every Everybody's in a different place. But just like with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, uh, for example, uh, those two cults, um, or Christian science, or even Scientology, I guess, but um, you, you, you've got... Uh, situations where when people don't know any better, there are deceiving spirits in the spiritual realm that make it appealing to people, these messages that are being done in the flesh. So the message of Kenneth Copeland, um, the enemy is using that to tickle ears and to um, to instill in people this this lust for for great wealth. And, and, and there, the, the message that, that they're getting, both through the word and, th- and through his life is that, look, um, it can't be wrong because look at, look at the way God's blessed me. Um, as, as, as though, um, there's no possibility in his mind that, that Satan could have been involved in, in helping to give him, uh, much of that wealth because Satan, Satan doesn't mind giving somebody celebrity status. Um, yeah, I mean, what, there was just a report of a guy who talked about, um, 
you know, he sold his soul to the devil, but then, uh, you know, the Lord ended up rescuing him. I, I, I didn't even read yet to see what, what he's some sort of entertainer maybe or something, but, um, Satan can give people, uh, wealth, can give them fame, can give them celebrity status. If he will then, uh, if they will then serve his purposes. And, and that's what the false, uh, message of the prosperity preachers are doing. So again, back to your question. Um, yes, there's accountability, but I would say this son, if you've got, let's say a room full of toddlers and you've got a teenager or an adult who's not being responsible in, in let's say the, the food that is being given to those toddlers, are they accountable for that? Well, I mean, how could they be? They don't know what they're getting, you know? And, and so when you have, when you have uh, spiritual infants, I mean, at best, I mean, you know, if they are saved, uh, maybe spiritual infants at best, because if they were mature in the faith, they'd have, they'd have discernment to recognize this is wrong. I mean, they would be, the Holy Spirit would be, would be showing them and, and, and leading them out of that. But because they don't have that discernment, um, I, I would say, you know, most of them are going to be spiritual infants at best and some not saved at all. And, and so it's all the flesh because that appeals to the flesh. What those prosperity preachers are preaching is the exact opposite of what Jesus and the apostles preach when it comes to money, the exact opposite. And they do it with, with such a braggadocious, unashamed, uh, arrogant, um, you know, idea that this is what God wants them doing. And look at me and we're so rich. And by the way, how I could never fly commercial because how would I get everywhere in the world? And, and so they, they want to get over to Africa, which as I said a, a few moments ago has been inundated with this false message. Um, it's, it's spiritual poison, but it appeals to the flesh. So it's hard. It's almost like saying in a way, um, you know, so many people today who are addicted to different drugs. Um, it's almost like saying, well, aren't those, uh, those people, aren't they kind of accountable for, for that? Um, well, sure they are. But, but when you're addicted to it, um, you, you're not really in a position to really hold yourself accountable very well. You need someone else to help you. Um, uh, be, because while yes, it is your responsibility. Ultimately you are so out of control, uh, with your addiction that it's not very likely that on your own, you're going to just, you know, kind of wise up. And I mean, certainly, you know, when people pray for you and the Lord can help a person get out of that, but I, I, it's kind of the same thing. I think people who sit there and lap up Kenneth Copeland's message, um, or Creflo Dollar's message or Jesse Duplantis's message, um, you know, uh, Jerry Seville's message. Um, these, these teachers are nothing like, um, the, 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 the biblical teachers in scripture, nothing like the faithful, uh, ministers of the gospel today who preach the word, who, who preach the, the whole counsel of God. I mean, I think of like, for example, you know, pastor Chuck Smith, you know, uh, who's now in heaven, you know, from out in California, um, you know, faithful expositor of God's word. I mean, I mean, way too discerning to ever fall for this, this sort of thing, uh, a very humble setting there with the, the, the Calvary chapel churches. Uh, and that's what the current movie Jesus revolution is about. You know, how, how God worked through the Jesus movement. And, um, uh, and of course, pastor Greg Laurie, uh, and, and, and the other churches there. Uh, but I mean, um, it, it's, uh, it's just such a night and day difference between churches that faithfully proclaim the word of God and do so humbly, do so in a holy way, 
as compared to those where it's a show, it, it, it's about status. It, it, it's all about entertaining people. And it just, you, you just almost feel, um, you just feel dirty after having watched one of these speakers for five minutes. It's like, it just doesn't sit right with, with you because it is so contrary to the spirit of Christ, um, the spirit of the gospel. They don't preach the gospel. Um, and, and their lives are the fruit that what they love is money. I mean, you know, Kenneth Copeland can talk all day about faith, 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 but where's his faith to give away, you know, 749 out of his 750 uh, million dollars to the poor. Where's his faith, you know, to do that. Isn't a million dollars enough to live on? I mean, more than enough when many pastors in many parts of the world are living on a, a small, small, small fraction of that, but, but a million dollars wouldn't be enough for him, but Oh no, you're supposed to have as much faith as he has um well uh, wh where's the fruit of that um but but he seems to love money so much he can't seem to help himself from trying to accumulate more and more more material possessions more jets uh and so it, it, it's quite sad uh indeed yes it is dan dozel with us talking about amongst other things kind of the I guess losing focus of what our ministry should be and relying on the love of money over maybe the spreading the gospel. I remember one time a pastor at a, um, it was kind of a pastor's luncheon and there was multiple pastors there eating and listening to speakers. And one pastor that was speaking said, you should get back to the business of preaching and not the business of church. And, uh, you know, yeah. make, making point yeah. that, you know, you, you, as a pastor, you need to start spreading the message and not worrying about the, the, the corporate church, right. so to speak. But, Dan, uh, we appreciate it, as always, coming on and sharing your insights with us and talking about these things and exploring these options because um, there's a lot of people out there that listen, you know, to these celebrities, whether it be celebrity pastors or celebrity musicians or people that use, you know, their Christian faith or throw God's name around in music, movies, social media, whatever. And um, these are the things that drive the traditional norms here in modern society. And so we at Sanctified Reason, Dan Dozell, along with myself, Sonny, and discuss these issues at the crossroads of faith and pop culture. And we uh, always uh, like to have you with us. And so, Dan, again, we appreciate it, and thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure, Son, and, and I, I know, as we've, as we've said before, but I think it'd be good for us to say here again at the end of the message, you know, by us pointing out these things, I, I hope every listener understands, we are in no way suggesting that somehow, you know, we're on some, you know, high ground and, and, and not, you know, faulty human beings. Um, you know, we're, we're just as sinful as the next person, um, but, but there, there are some abuses out there in the church that if Christians like, like you and I, and I'm talking about now you, you you know, you, you listening who are mature, you know, mature disciples, uh, any mature disciple listening to this, if you and I, Son and I, if we don't speak out on these things, how will anyone get free of the Jehovah's Witnesses or the prosperity teachers um, or, or Mormonism or atheism or Hinduism or Buddhism, you know, uh, Islam? I mean, um, how will you get free from these ideologies or religions um, unless mature Christians like you and I, and if you're not there yet, my friend, as a listener, hey, that's where God wants to bring you. He wants to bring you to that point where then you, by God's grace, will have the discernment to be able to help people 
people who may be caught up in that, because the Bible tells us, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. So I thank you, son, that you have a forum like this, a podcast, uh, where these issues can be dealt with uh, in a compassionate way, but also in a direct way, because I think, as you've said today in the podcast, um, there aren't always a lot of people identifying this because let's face it we all have busy lives busy ministries you know uh so i thank the lord for your podcast which is which is willing to have the courage to say hey let's let's talk about some of this not in a holier than thou manner not in a, not in a, oh well we're, we're perfect Let, let's call out the sinners but 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 where there are abuses um you know, the Apostle Paul called them out. Um, I believe we as Christians are, are called to address them. Um, and so anyway, Son, thank you for, yeah, for what you do in, in addressing a whole host of, you know, theological issues and just issues of the day. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate that. And again, uh, you can check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Just click on the Sanctified Reason uh, podcast logo. All of our shows pop up, and you can also... Listen to the show pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. I mean, we, we host it on, on our Podbean app. We've got it on Spotify. We've got it on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio I Podcasts, and so much more. So, again, we're pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to share the word, share the uh, podcast, by all means, please do that. So, again, for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.